This is another episode of Scaring is Sharing. It's the place where we share scares with each other and with you, the listeners. Hello. I'm looking lovingly into the microphone. He really is. That's like, <laughs> I bought that too. I believed that. that he, he's truly in love with y'all. Uh, as always, I am your host, Jeremy, the original Sasquatch Slim Rusk. And as always, I'm the other host, the flaming Scream Queen, uh, Brandon Joe Blambeck. What's up? I feel like that's, it's almost like a morning zoo thing, you know, coming at you. It's your morning <laughs> drive time. We got Sasquatch Slim and the flaming Scream Queen. <laughs> Did you ever listen to any particular morning shows? Yeah, I was a big uh, uh, Dave and Chuck the Freak who are still around in the Detroit area. They've been going since before I was even in high school. Now, what makes Chuck such a freak? Uh, he was just a weird guy. If I remember the story, he used to just be Chuck. Uh, and they had a, like a contest a million years ago for listeners to like come up with a nickname for Chuck. Uh, and the freak is what stuck. Cause he was kind of like, he was like a punk rock, like, you know, weird guy. So. <laughs> Okay, yeah, that's how the freak stuck. So he became Dave and Chuck the freak. But they were like, I don't know if you listened to any terrestrial radio in the metro Detroit area, but they started on 89X, which was the alternative rock station all through my high school years and into college. So that's like what I listened to growing up uh, when I had the radio on. Uh, and then they made the jump to the riff. 101.1, which is Detroit's like classic rock station. Now it's just rock, I guess. What constitutes classic rock? You know, now Nirvana and shit's in there. So I'm like, okay, I guess it's a broader definition, but that's where they are now. And they still are going all these years later. So I spent Thanksgiving with my friend Gretchen, her family, and with my husband, Joe, as I had mentioned in the last episode. But I heard this interesting story about disco and how there was some DJ who was like upset about like getting fired because like his radio station used to play rock and then disco like took over. So he got fired and he started this whole movement. It was called like dead something death to disco. And they, yeah, burned yeah, yeah, all yeah. These disco records. You know about this? Yeah, I'd heard that story. That needs to be a movie because I was fascinated that people were so up in arms about disco. Yeah. And when sure. I think of disco, I think of Miss 45 in that song. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that amazing song, which I have on keeps... many a playlist now. It's Oh, do you? I do. I love it. It really gets stuck in my head and it's so good. Oh, I got to find it. Yeah, I was just looking up to speaking of radio stations changing because um, uh, 89X, Detroit's own 89X is no longer exists. It uh, changed, I think, last. Uh, yeah, just over a year ago. Last year, they changed to Pure Country 89. Oh. And it became, a yeah, and it's like, it was, a lot of people were very bummed, and they fired all their DJs. A lot of them have been there forever. Like, you know, it was an institution in the Detroit-Windsor area of alternative rock. It was a hip rock station for a long time and just slowly, you know, degraded over the years to just pff, nothing. Now it's a country station. It happens. 
Now, I the only thing I watched this week were the Behind the Monsters. I, there were two that I hadn't seen, which were Freddy and Jason. Okay. And the Freddy one really didn't have anything very anything interesting new. or new to me. I feel like part of that, too, is because Robert England is so visible and has talked about playing Freddy so much. Like, every time I see him, and I'm sure he was in the episode, probably, talking yes. about the character. Yeah, he... I've heard all those stories a million times because he kind of he's told them a million times over the years. He loves to talk. Not that that's a problem, but you I've heard everything he has to say on the characters. So. Yeah, Wes Craven's son was on and that was fun. He talked a lot and it was good to hear his stories. I don't really feel like he looks like his dad very much, but maybe I'm wrong. But there on the Jason one, there were a couple of things. But first of all, there's a, a duo that were on there. The guys from last podcast on the left were on there and i don't yeah. care for them and i know we've talked about them before because i tried to listen to like one episode and they were like throwing the word fag around and stuff and i was like eh, i don't care for this yeah. like they just they're the way they were talking it just was like you guys rub me the wrong way i don't think i'd want to sit in a room with you but there was another duo that has a podcast um and the podcast is called with Gurley and rust do you know of them no and I think the original, like, w how they're listed on there is in Voorhees we trust with Gurley and Rust. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they seem so sweet and so cool, and I just loved them. So I immediately subscribed to their podcast. I have not listened to it, but they do, like, the Jason movies, and then they do other horror movies. Like, each episode is, like, a different one. Okay. But they seem very cool. And they, they talked about how with Mrs. Voorhees, they were like, and, you know, I think this resonated with kids in the 80s because lots of kids in the 80s had, like, really kick-ass single moms. And they were like, yeah, go, Mrs. Voorhees. And I thought that was fun. Oh, that but is. the other thing they talked about that I'm sure as a hardcore Friday the 13th fan, you're very aware of, but I was less aware of how the hockey mask evolved. Like, I really thought it was... Here it is, and here's what it looks like, and it stayed the same. But they showed like a flash of all the different masks and how they changed slightly, and how mm -hmm. each director was like, I'm going to put my own little twist on it. Yeah. And the only one that really stands out is the one that's blue, which is that the one with the fake Jason? Yep, that's the one with Roy. And th that makes so much sense. Yep. But like, I never even realized that. Oh, yeah, like, it I mutated over time. But like that was just that was fa I mean, of course, the Jason X mask I knew was different, but I didn't know how they all were slightly different. I thought that it really was like such an easy thing to replicate. Of course, you do the exact same thing. Yeah. So that was kind of fun. And from what I understand, too, the very original mask was at least based. On, I don't know if they bought one and used it, but it, it came from a Detroit Red Wings hockey yes. uh, goalie mask. They didn't talk about that, but I've heard that story as well. Yeah. So. And the only other thing regarding the mask that I had not heard was. They talked about sackhead or baghead, Jason, and yeah. that's my favorite for sure. But they talked about how after it came out, the Invisible Man came out, which was almost exactly this, the same as far as how the look of his covering face covering was. It was like a sack and it had one eye mm -hmm. cut out and they were like, well, fuck, like we can't like keep sackhead Jason when the Invisible Man just came out using the same thing. Yeah. So I'd never heard that. And I thought that was kind of fun. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've watched, uh, I, I did start watching some of those. I watched the um, Michael Myers episode uh, of Behind the Monsters, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah, um, they're really and, very good. Yeah, and then I watched the Candyman episode, mm. which was also very good. 
Yeah, it's a good little show, and I'm excited to check out this this new podcast. I think it's girly. It's a hard word to say, girly and rust, but they just seemed so cool. And I was like, these are guys I'd hang out with in a room, and therefore, I think they're guys I want to listen to their podcast. So yeah, check it out. Report back. Report back. And then the only other thing regarding podcasts, my buddies over at It's Only a Podcast, I know recently reviewed Blood Diner, and they talked about how you cannot fucking prepare yourself to watch this movie. Have you seen it? I know of it. I've heard the title many times. I thought it was just like your run-of-the-mill slasher. I've not seen it, but like they were like, nothing can prepare you for what this movie is. And I was like, really? Like, I guess I didn't know. So I was curious if you'd seen it. No, I'd always heard of Blood Diner as a so bad it's good movie. And like, that could be it. One of those ones with like, a, it's got a lot of batshit insane little plot points and twists. I thought it was one of those is how I'd always heard it. And that's why it's like a cult classic is just because it's so fucking weird. Like Spookies? Yeah, kind of like Spookies. Yeah, something like that. That it's just like. Which I do want to see. That looks like plot. Spookies is insane, man. It's just, it is incoherent. But crazy in all the right ways. What else did you watch beside besides those two episodes? Okay, uh, I have a whole bunch going on, man. But let's try and cut to the let's cut to the good stuff. Uh, Sarah and I, since she is a fan of the series as well, we have now finished the Purge series. We watched oh. the Forever Purge the other night, uh, which again, much like uh, all of. Pretty much all of the Purge movies, it's okay. If you like Purge movies, you're getting the same thing like over and over with like a slightly different key point where it's like the one before the first Purge was definitely really plugged into racial politics, uh, but specifically, you know, um, what it is to be black like during the Purge. Uh, And then the Forever Purge, I guess it's still uh, race stuff going on, but this time they've switched it to it's on the border in Texas. Uh, you know, it's got this Mexican immigrant family that's part of the focus. Um, but it also seems to be talking about like extremism in modern politics where like the forever purge is about, uh, like extremist groups. The purge got reinstated, uh, and, uh, extremist groups have decided the purge should last forever. Hence the title the forever purge. It's not just Uh, one night and they're trying to seize control of the country and do, you know, uh, you know, uh, definitely you're it's it's like Nazis. You know, you see all that imagery they use wonderfully to make that point where it makes sense. But it's it's a purge movie. Yeah, no. So if you're into that, check it out. You'll think it's OK. So let me ask you a question. Why do you think they resonate with Sarah? I don't know. She likes um, I think it's the element because uh, her like guilty pleasure is disaster movies. Okay. Like yeah, movies my husband with, loves a good disaster movie. Too. Yeah. She loves Roland Emmerich's like stuff, 2012, The Day After Tomorrow, you know, Independence Day, anything that's got like a huge event happening that's like perilous to humans. Okay. Uh, she loves, she loves big disaster movies or like high concept. Yeah. She really likes like survivalist stories where it is, you know, a small group of people have to survive a huge thing bigger than them that's happening. So, yeah. Yeah, I can get into that. And we made up our own Purge movie, too. Oh, what's that? Because throughout Forever Purge, like the bad guys keep using this phrase where they say, you know, this is the Forever Purge. And then they say ever after 
And then we're like, the next one should be called The Purge Ever After. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it should be about Drew Barrymore purging. <laughs> oh, no, Drew. Yeah, that's what we want to do. And I was like, she could do it. She'd be a badass. I also watched a... Uh, this was one my brother got me to watch because I love old stuff. Uh, you sure do. Oldie called, but a, you're an oldie but a goodie. Oldie but a goodie. It's called X the Unknown. Uh, and it was Hammer Horror uh, from the British studio, Hammer, uh, in the 50s. Uh, and it's kind of like their riff on The Blob. And I think it predates the original The Blob, but it's a science fiction story where they're doing some... Uh, radiation tests some sort of like nuclear bomb testing it's set in uh, scotland you know because it's a british movie so uh and then all of a sudden there's a monster on the loose that's killing people it's like a radioactive monster uh and when the movie reveals it it is like this mud flow that came to life like a blob but it's radioactive and it's out there killing people and they have to stop it uh and it's kind of a fun little you know for the 50s kind of graphic i was surprised because the thing like melts people and they show scenes of like, and the skin melts off the person's face and it's just a skeleton and stuff. So it's like, that's pretty shocking effects for the 50s, I think. So uh, cool. it was kind of a cool little thing, not like an especially great movie, but a fun little discovery to be like, oh, wow, this is a weird one. And then cool. I also I also uh, took in Blood Rage per Thanksgiving, you know, if you What's know that, that? One. It is. It's in recent years. It's really become like a cult classic. It's a cheesy slasher movie. Uh, from the early 80s, I want to say, but it's set on Thanksgiving. So it's got a Thanksgiving dinner where it's these like identical twins and one of them's a murderer uh, and he's killing people. And it's very cheesy. It's not like a good movie, but the fact okay. it's it's where that meme on the Internet of that fake anti-marijuana ad comes from where they're like, don't smoke weed like Terry because he killed people like it's there's a scene where the killer like smokes a joint with this guy and then stabs him like immediately after and kills him. Wow. So yeah, you'll, you'll see it in horror groups, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a cheese fest. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Well, for the first time in a long time, we have no terrograms, which is totally fine. We have been blessed with many a gram over yeah. the past few weeks. And when I say gram, I mean terrograms and not grams of drugs. No. <laughs> Grams of horror love. Yes, we don't do those. Um, but if you do, it's okay. Just do it in moderation and be safe. Okay? That's all I ask. That's all I ask of you. <laughs> but I support. And tell us about really good times you have. Yes. Uh, but if you would like to write us, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your recommendations, your experiences. Tell us about uh, hauntings you've had, uh, your first love in horror, who you find really hot in horror, whatever you want. Scaringisharing at gmail.com or follow us on Insta, scaringissharing. We'd love to hear from you. Yes. And what else, Jeremy? Anything else going on? I had a couple pe pieces of news that I've... One is something I forgot to say a little while back because I saw it come up in the news cycle, so it might be old now. But apparently there is some movement on the American remake they're planning of Train to Busan. Oh, right. Did we not talk about that, Train to New York? I think we might have mentioned it, but I just mm. saw that in the news cycle that it is like a, a go, it sounded like. Like something okay. was moving forward, and it's called Last Train to New York. 
yeah was the title i saw which when i saw that i thought okay that could be good if it's done you know uh well and with enough care i think that could be cool to transplant it to new york yeah uh, yeah and if they make it their own I, I'm not going to sit here and say you should never remake anything because there's plenty of good remakes. It's just how well you do it. And if you make it its own story that feels like it needed to be told, there you go. Yep. Yep. I'm excited. I, I mean, I'm always intrigued for remakes. Excited may be a strong word because I'm wary since there are a lot of bad ones. So many bad ones. But I, I do enjoy remakes. So, I mean, I know some people are like, ah, oh, don't do that. And I'm like, always like, well, what could, what sort of interesting things could come from changing the culture of mm-hmm. of something? Like sometimes it can work, like The Ring, and sometimes it's horrible, like A Nightmare on Elm Street. But like yep. The Ring really worked. I mean, and you could also, if you're going that route of like changing cultures, like I did not think Dark Water was a good film. And mm-hmm. then there's so many other of those like J horror things that did not translate, like One Missed Call and sure pulse was so bad and i mean i tried to watch the original which i think is called cairo or something sure yeah i'm not sure what the japanese that title one, is oh, man they over there they love that movie everyone just raved about it and then that Kristen bell one was just a piece of shit yeah uh i am not really a fan of the grudge the oh American i'm not version either. but i do like the japanese version i think it's way way better the original japanese version yeah the grudge just like the american one i, I don't think i've seen the japanese one but the american one is just it doesn't make much sense it's so hard to follow yeah it's no. just like it shouldn't be it shouldn't be it shouldn't be and the japanese one is like cool and scary so yeah the it only thing i remember that i liked from the grudge i feel like there's someone's like jaw ripped off yes yeah, like that's the one good thing, and I love Sarah Michelle Gellar, but yeah. like, yeah, it was just wasted. And, th- and then the second one, we don't don't get me started. Don't even get me started. I won't because it's horrible. <laughs> so, did you have other horror news? Yes, and of course, jumping back to having just covered Bad Taste, Peter Jackson, uh, it seemed very serendipitous that just a few days ago I saw an interview blurb with him where he again addressed that. Yes, I am remastering my old movies into like 4K to make them, you know, to up modernize them for modern viewing, you know, resolutions and stuff. But don't expect any news on it till next year that okay. has been completed. And all of the horror community was like, God damn it, Peter Jackson, you told us you were doing this in like 2018 or something like that is when you first announced 2019 it's been a few years since he announced that yes i'm remastering my old movies and he's just taking his sweet time leave pd alone i know it was an interview because apparently for disney uh plus he did that there's like a big documentary about the beatles that just came out that i guess he document he was the director of and that's what's that's what got in the way he decided to make another movie instead of finishing his (laughs) project of uh restoring his old movies so everyone's like come on man i want to give you money to buy these (laughs) like let me buy them from you he's like i have enough money okay yeah he he doesn't care he's like i'm not doing it for the money clearly i own a bunch of airplanes or something like that so you're a big beatles fan right yeah they're okay oh okay (laughs) yeah that's nice because i i am not i mean i could give or take i i really couldn't take them i i could care less quite honestly They, they are my mom's favorite band 
Okay. Uh, so I grew up listening to them. So I know everything, you know, musically there is to know about the Beatles. So, and, you know, I don't hate them. They're just not my first choice to, because I've lived a life oversaturated with their music through most of my childhood. So I mainly just know that one song. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. We're just monkeying around. <laughs> <laughs> and Beatles fans are real serious, so you might have just like given a couple people heart attacks right now. <laughs> no, but yeah, I just never got into that craze. Like, I mean, there are other people that I like, and as I, because I mean, I grew up on like 50s and 60s music, but it was like, you know, like doo wop sort of stuff, not anything like quite that next psychedelic or... step. Yeah. Yeah. So when I got in college and even like in my early 20s, like that's like I got a little bit into Led Zeppelin. I at least appreciate Led Zeppelin. And there, there's some tunes of theirs that I think is, are really great and like Queen. And then, I mean, Fleetwood Mac was the group that I really got into that I was like, oh, my God, this is fucking brilliant music. How yeah. have I never listened to it? And and it's also I'm a big fan of female singers. So it's really those maiden songs that are like Stevie Nicks and um sure. whatever the uh, Christy it, it, something on your your list you're listing all the bands that like are my parents' bands. So I grew <laughs> up with all of that. So it's just second nature to me. Yeah. Oh, love Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Yeah. Get. Yeah, the uh, it was funny in high school I had well, I was in high school, there was it felt like everybody had suddenly discovered the Beatles again, or, or for the first time, probably because we were all kids. Uh, people were like getting way into the Beatles, they were getting way into like the doors. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's like the doors is my dad's favorite, you know. It's like, this is what my parents listen to. What's wrong with you guys? So I was like running to, you know, what's the grossest metal that's out there, to, like you know, discovering death metal and stuff. Where I'm like, you guys can have your old people music. I'm making my own, <laughs> blazing my own path here to weird stuff that I'm finding. So, and I meant to ask you this question after Bad Taste, since there's that whole Beatles car in it. Like, it's so strange. Yeah. Yeah. Right? They're, those are the Beatles. They're like in the car, and it's like there's like cutouts of the Beatles, and it was yes. like the weirdest automobile ever. Yeah, there is. Yep. Yeah. So, so Peter Jackson apparently is a Beatles guy bringing uh, it full circle where there's a reference in Bad Taste, and now he just made a documentary about him. So, yeah. Any other horror news? Feel like I've read other stuff. Of, of course, you know, uh, uh, lots of in time for the holidays. All the boutique, uh, all the boutique uh, labels that put out Blu-rays, you know, physical media. They've got all kinds of crazy movies coming out, trying to push. So, the only other thing I want to talk, and speaking of remakes and news, and it's a little Jace, but I think it works is Fatal Attractions being turned into a TV show with Lizzie Kaplan as like the oh. Glenn Close character. Interesting. And I fucking love Lizzie Kaplan. And you still haven't seen second season of Castle Rock, right? You haven't Not seen Not even, Castle I Rock. haven't seen any of it, so. Oh, I think you would really dig it. But the second, it's worth, I mean, the first season's just very weird and you kind of yeah. have to stick with it. But the second season is so good and Lizzie Kaplan is, is, yeah, good. She's like, I don't know why I compare these two, but like, I feel she and Kat Dennings have a similar vibe. They're both a little dark, a little edgy. Yeah. But like I would take Lizzie Kaplan any day. I think Lizzie Kaplan has more range. Yeah. I'm just yeah. going to call it. Sorry. Apologies to Kat Dennings, but <laughs> Lizzie Kaplan's a little more diverse in her ability. I agree. They talk about the Fatal Attraction remake on my husband's podcast, Three Funny Ladies, which is great. 
But um, I don't think either one of them are particularly excited about it. My husband is definitely not. He's like, is there nothing you can do that's new? But I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I like when something gets turned into a TV show because it's like, well, how can we expand the story, modernize it? And and I I just think given, I don't know, the evolution of how women are viewed in the world now compared to the mid 80s i just i will i'm intrigued to see how that will factor in yeah i mean you know not that women are like 100 percent appreciated like they should be and looked at as equals and everything by everyone and probably never will which is you know horrifying but but i'm hopeful that it could happen but i'm just i i mean i hope it comes from some women like the 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 show, and I hope that, th- that there's an interesting take on it in that regard. Absolutely, yeah. In that vein, movie. I'm putting it out there. Somebody do this, please. Take my idea. I don't care. Somebody needs to remake the movie River's Edge uh, in a modern setting uh, because you know it was a product of its time when it was made. But I feel like you could retell this story now, and with the proliferation of social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and again, and also the, you know, the way, uh, cause you know, the part of the original movie is this guy killed his girlfriend and then his buddies are trying to cover for him. I feel like there's something you could do now with the way things are with that idea and social media. And it could be an interesting new movie. So somebody do it, <laughs> get, get river's edge and redo it. I feel like it's a story that begs to be remade. Yeah. And that, that movie is you know, there's definitely other movies that are done in that same vein, but I like that idea of it being remade. Did you ever see Bully? No. By Larry Clark. Ugh, Larry Clark. Ugh, some of those mm. films. I mean, I would take a Larry Clark film, speaking of, if we're versus, uh, I would take a Larry Clark versus a Harmony Corinne movie any day. Okay. I used to, I had a phase where I watched those Harmony movies, but Bully is a fucked up movie and it has a very River's Edge sort of vibe. Mm-hmm. And it has, you know, uh, Nick Stahl and oh, Brad Renfro and Bijou Phillips and Rachel Minor. God, she is like wild in it. Kelly Garner, who I really like, but I haven't seen her in forever. Yeah. But yeah, it is, I would check that out if I were you. It's not quite adjacent enough for me to give it to you on here, but I recommend it. It is fucked up. Mm-hmm. And good. I liked it. Yeah. Cool. Well, shall we share our movies with each other? Yeah, let's do it. I think you're the first one this time. I am. So if you're tuning in for the first time, Jeremy and I give each other a, a movie. We assign it to the other person, um, uh, something they haven't seen before. And then we both watch the films and come back and share our thoughts. We share the scares, if you will. Hence yes. the title. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going first and I'm giving you the last of my top 10 from 2020 that I have not yet given you. Oh, do you know what it is? I don't recall what all of them were. It is Possessor. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. We've talked about it a lot uh, and in, in enough veiled detail when you mention <laughs> it that I, I don't really know what it's about other than it's made by baby Cronenberg. Yeah, uh, ABC, the, the, the son of the son of Papa Cronenberg. So I assume it's and from what I've heard, I remember you uh, and when Nick the Knife was on, he mentioned it. Our composer of our music, Nick yes, the Knife. Nick. Uh, when he was on, he mentioned it too because he really liked it. But um, it's I know it's similar to David Cronenberg's own work, so I know it's some kind of body horror. 
I think it's science fiction. God, and I really have no idea. I think I saw a trailer like once and the trailer didn't make me understand anything the movie's about. So that's a good trailer right there. That's Um, right. Yeah. For some reason, I want to say, let's say it's got some medical angle or something going on. So I feel like there's some kind of like fucked up surgery situation or maybe like switching bodies. I'm going to say they like a face-off situation. There's something to do with like switching bodies somehow and mayhem ensues from there. People getting fucked up and some sort of mad scientist, evil surgeon, something like that. I know that's very vague, but I feel like this is going to be a very heady movie where it's not necessarily the plot details. It's about the anguish the characters are going through. So I think people are like falling apart or some shit's going wrong. So that's it. Cool. Yep. What are you going to give me? Well, when this episode comes out, it'll be December. Ah! It's it's Christmas time. So I am assigning you a little flick called Christmas Evil. Mm. Okay. Which I talked about last year because I had watched it. I watched it for the first time last year. So. I don't know, but I'm going to say it's a, uh, some sort of ripoff from Silent Night, Deadly Night. I'm going to say that there's an evil Santa, but I don't know if there is. Uh, but I'm going to say evil Santa. Um, I don't think it's like Rare Exports. I've not seen Rare Exports, but I think that literally is Santa as like some sort of villain. You know what? I'm going to change my mind. It's not an evil <laughs> Santa. It's just someone who, for whatever reason, hates Christmas, it, it triggers something. I'm just very much going Silent Night, Deadly Night, but without a Santa. But a killer, a serial killer on Christmas who's taken revenge. I think they're cutting people up and putting them in stockings and hanging them over fires and leaving bloody cookies. That sounds like a great movie. Yep. So a stocking stuffer serial killer. The end. All right. Cool. Well... I hope you enjoy Christmas Evil. It's on Shutter, I believe. Oh, so cool. You shouldn't have to look too hard for it. So awesome. Yeah. So let's that's watch it. and come back. Let's do it. Sid, don't you blame the movies? Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. <laughs> And now we're back from outer space. Here to tell our tale of woe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. All right. Well, let's hop into our flicks. We are in December. We're recording this officially and now in December. That's right. So it makes my Christmas choice uh, timely, seasonal. It really does. Your timeless, timely tale. But we're starting with mine. Yeah. Which is a non Christmas movie. Right. Which is Possessor by Brandon Cronenberg from 2020. And the tagline is No body is safe. Not nobody, no body, which is clever. Tasia Voss and 
elite corporate assassin uses brain implant technology to take control of other people's bodies to terminate high-profile targets. As she sinks deeper into her latest assignment, Voss becomes trapped inside a mind that threatens to obliterate her. That's it. That is it. And I got to say, too, for a movie that this is a prime example of movies where uh, taking really high concept science fiction weird shit where like, you know, they're assassins that take over the bodies of people that they like pick to, you know, carry out hits and stuff. Uh, the story's pretty easy to follow. Like it's pretty straightforward what's happening for, you know, I, I feel like with as much like psychedelic visuals and little asides that are going on in the movie, uh, it could have gotten, gotten complicated quick and gone off into some like David Lynch, really like esoteric territory, but they kept it, Pretty straightforward as far as the story goes. So I appreciated that. Um, this was pretty cool. Yeah, it kind of feels like a more fleshed out Black Mirror episode. Yeah, that's it. If you took a uh, like a long format Black Mirror episode uh, and then mixed it with Videodrome. Yes. That's like, I mean, of course, to make the Cronenberg, since this is David Cronenberg's son, Brandon Cronenberg, I believe, that yes. uh, directed this. So this feels kind of like, I, I was actually getting like a mix. I, I was like, if you took Scanners, Videodrome, and then Black Mirror and mixed it in a blender, you'd get this movie. Which is funny because I I was just looking up Andrea Rise Burroughs filmography because I, yeah. I knew she's mandy that yeah. is about all that i knew of her but she was in the black mirror episode crocodile did you see that one i don't recall it is so depressing but so good and i was like oh she's just so good she's so yeah. fascinating to watch i just think she's so unique like looking and makes cool choices and i just ah i think she's great and i would watch her in everything yeah, I only know her from Mandy and then this now. And I understand in England, because I believe she's English, she's a big stage actress as well. So you didn't see or do you just not remember her in Birdman? Oh, I don't remember her in Birdman. I've never seen it. I also don't remember, like, other than the big stars that were in Birdman, I can't remember who, like, any of the supporting people were. She's also in Nocturnal Animals, which I've heard very interesting things about. I would like yeah. to check it out at some point. I heard mixed reviews of that yes. one. Yes. And the, so. she's in The Grudge, poor thing. Oh, okay. The remake. Yeah, not the not the good one, like we talked mm. about the Japanese, the original. Right. But yeah, man, this movie was a trip. And did you watch it on Hulu? I watched the Hulu, which I understand it was telling me was the uncut one. So see, and I couldn't find anywhere where it said, but I knew in particular the sex scene. You saw her with a penis. Oh, okay. And so I fast forwarded there to see if it was, but I couldn't find anywhere where it told me the rating. Because I was watching on my tablet, uh, and then if I like paused or whatever, the Whatever, however, the interface for my tablet works on Hulu. It'll show me like a title screen of what I'm watching. Yeah. Uh, and, and it said Possessor Uncut is what it had on there. So I'm like, this must be the uncut version, which I, I was watching. I'm like, what was so much that had to be cut? Well, I can tell you some very specific things. So her with yeah. the penis during that sex scene is one. Again, for me, I'm like, this is also passe to me that I'm like, why would why would. I cut that stuff. also think <laughs> seeing that guy with like an actual heart on and that one when he's like spying 
like in that couple's like having sex, I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure you didn't see him with like a full on erection like you do here, which yeah. that was, I don't think fake. That looked pretty real. Yeah. American audiences are so scared of boners. <laughs> they really, they really are. are. That like that always gets cut. Like you can show a penis, but you can't show a, a heart on because that's too much. That always uh-huh. gets cut. So uh-huh. it's like, yeah, what babies. And then there's one particular death scene that involves someone's mouth, and you see less of that. Mm. I know that for sure, those things. I want to say there's also something with like the final showdown and that there's a little less of that given who's involved in it. Mm-hmm. I think. Hmm. But okay. I didn't. I I know those other ones for sure, but I don't. I for or I didn't do like a. a I know that there's some sites that say like, what are the comparisons between the two? Oh, okay, yeah, I was kind of wondering because I'm like, this doesn't seem all that shocking to me. But then, who? Why should anyone ask us? Because we're so desensitized that I'm like, totally. I couldn't tell you what would be un- unacceptable and what wouldn't be. So, yeah, and Jennifer Jason Lee is. Just always so good. I haven't seen The Hateful Eight. I was talking with someone about it like last week or on Thanksgiving. My friend Gretchen's son, I think, Luke, I think he was talking about it. And I don't have any interest typically in a movie like that, but I know she's, I think she was nominated for an Oscar for it, or at least. Yeah, she's, she's really good in it. Yeah. So Um, I might watch that for her. It's definitely a, a commitment though because it's like a three-hour movie so uh, you just made me not want to watch it again yeah because <laughs> tarantino's at this point where he can't make a movie that's you know less than two hours apparently so did you see once upon a time in hollywood yeah now how much of it is actually spent on the manson murders barely any oh okay that's definitely like i like it's part of like the climax of the movie, but it's Tarantino doing quote unquote history or historical fiction, if you will. So it's like not accurate in any way, you know, okay. it just uses the vague idea and some of the real people. And then he does like, if you've seen *Inglorious bastards where it has no connection no. to real world war two history, uh, it's just his like fantasy using like, it's as if he heard a little bit about the event and then was like, I'm going to make up my own story for it, which, um, it's kind of what he's been doing with his like his history stuff. Like it's not meant to be historical in any way. It's just kind of his own riffs on ideas. Did you see Wolves at the Door? No. It's but, about the murder. The, yeah. Yeah. The Manson murders. Yeah, I've heard of yes. it. Nyakid. Um, Nyakid at all. Katie Cassidy's no. in it and I fucking love her, but mm-hmm. no, it is not a good movie. I would rather because they've done it a bunch of times. I I if you're going to do the, the Manson, the La Bianca Tate murders, um, just, I want to watch a documentary. Like that's what I want to do to like study that. Cause movie attempts are always, they just don't work. I don't know. It's just doesn't come unless you do something really vague, like the strangers where you take the idea of it and create a new story out of it. Like that's okay. Inspired by, but I'd rather just watch a documentary about a lot of these real life things. Yeah, for sure. This movie, Possessor, I think is really cool in its originality. It does, like, in a, a world filled with remakes and rehashings and ripoffs and all that, I feel that it really does feel very original. Yeah, uh, especially in a way, 
because this is a sci-fi trope, like the idea of like taking over other people's bodies, using technology and like jumping in, like it's been done before, but this was done in a cool uh, way that put their own spin on it, especially with the like, this is how hitmen operate in the future now as they just take over people's bodies and use them to kill uh, and then kill that person to get rid of it. Uh, I thought that was kind of a cool twist. I also read too that the movie is supposed to be set in the year 2008. Oh, I apparently, didn't which was a weird thing. Yeah, I read that in the somewhere where they're like, it's set in an alternate 2008. And I'm like, I mean, there was a flip phone. So that I, that did cross my mind. Like, why is there a flip phone? Yeah, so that would so make I, sense. I guess it's supposed to be set in like a parallel universe or timeline or something. So just a little bit weird. of extra there. That's like, that's not something that the movie spells out for you. Um, I also appreciate that there are like those weird trippy visuals, but it it's just certain moments that are like that. The rest of the movie I find just very well shot and yeah. kind of beautiful to look at. Like it's really well, like the cinematography is great. But then there are these like weird trippy moments and that mask is so fucking creepy. Yeah, that was so cool. Uh, I, I immediately went online to find one. It, yeah. Very and, cool. and there was one on Etsy that someone had sold and it even looked creepier. It was like an off version of it, but uh -huh. it was like 75 bucks and it had already sold. I probably would have oh. bought it just because like it is so creepy. It reminds me of the hag mask from Curtains, which I know you haven't seen. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully I'll see it at some point on this show. Yeah. But the mask reminds me of that. Just sort of like a like a weird melty <laughs> melted face yeah. yeah those those asides there i thought though were a really good uh representation of the psychic uh turmoil since my understanding all of that was like inside their heads it was visualizing their psyches like fighting each other for control of the body and bleeding into each other and whatever and that's where those were the sequences though that reminded me a little bit of scanners like the the mental battles where it's like they uh, taking a slightly different track, but it was like they were like ripping each other apart and melting each other and stuff like that. And I was like a little scanners esque. Yeah, and the end for some reason, even though I've only seen this movie once and it was forever ago, but kind of reminds me of um, what's that movie with like the top that's oh. spinning at the end? Inception. Inception. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Something uh, about like that like the little i guess like little items that are representational of something happening i don't know why yeah yeah i, I also had to that. do like some like research on what the fuck does that end mean and then it's mm -hmm. all very interesting i mean it's not like it's like super duper deep but it's still i was like i don't fully understand and then i had to do a little research and i was like oh okay yeah that's kind of i think i got it i had an idea of what we were seeing at the end there but yeah, it's it's so good. And I I mean, I do always appreciate when I can see penis. So I'll take it. It doesn't happen a lot, like we said, especially in American movies. You got to usually go to Europe for that kind of thing. And interesting that in their like job where they're like spying on things that like you're spying and saying what kind of curtains there are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just seems so mundane, but like something that a company would hire someone to do to find out. Yeah, I assumed that was kind of the like what we all talk about with like Amazon and shit and your internet knowing like what you're looking at to then advertise at you. It's like, oh, okay, they have literal people watching through the <laughs> uh, various cameras and devices in your house to see what you already own, so they know what to market at you later. And I was like, yeah, that's if that's not already happening, it will be. 
Unlike that one girl's like, I always masturbate in front of my webcam so that <laughs> they'll see what kind of vibrator I'm using. I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, I dug yeah. it. It's not a movie I was would ever have watched, especially in the trailer. Like I thought I thought that the face was like melting in the movie. I didn't mm-hmm. realize it was like a mask like it is. I mean, I know it's representational, but like it's literally like kind of just like a, a, a mask, truly. Mm-hmm. Like they're not trying to like make it anything more than that. But like it seemed a little too sci-fi for me. And I mean, as we've talked about on this podcast a lot, like I have these perceptions of things that I don't like and whatever. And then like this was just on so many top 10 list last year so i was like fine i'll watch it and i just think it's so good and just another example of why i shouldn't be close-minded and it's also got um uh as nick the knife called him in a prior episode uh not kit harrington because it's that actor that looks a lot like kit harrington uh that was in piercing uh but uh is What's his name? Christopher Abbott, I believe. is. Yes, my husband name. hates him. Like, I wanted Joe to watch this so badly, but he hates him so much. He wouldn't really even consider it. What is... And I, I don't know. What is but, he in that's like... Because I only know him now from piercing in this movie, I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure what else he's from in. Girls. I know Oh, that. okay. Okay. But, like, I don't know what it is. Like, I'm like, why... why? I, I, I think he's good, and I think he's cute. Yeah, and like, he looks kind of like Kit Harrington, as I said. So, and who the fuck is Kit Harrington? Uh, Jon Snow in Game of Thrones. Okay. Yeah. If I you know. say so, it's another nerd thing that you have walls <laughs> about, so you missed out on that. I didn't miss out. It's still alive in the world. You could go find it, but I know you won't. I, that's not true. <laughs> I have often okay, you might. said that you I, might. I might someday dig into Game of Thrones. Yeah, the ending was terrible. So if you lose steam on it, I wouldn't blame you. Well, you had many things correct in your assumptions of what this movie is. Yeah. That, you know, it was me similar to David Cronenberg, some body horror, a medical Mm -hmm. angles, maybe some fucked up surgery, switching bodies, mayhem. A mad scientist, really, to some degree, a lot I got, of that like, applied. All the agree- ingredients, I just didn't apply them in the correct places or order. Really, that was kind of a hodgepodge. Uh, but yeah, yeah, th- yeah. Again, this is a movie, man. Uh, Videodrome, and then this, and I'm sure, like, you will be feeling tripped out if you sat down and watched both of those back to back. And even though I've, there's some reminiscence of his father's work, it feels very much his own thing. Too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like it feels v- vaguely informed by some of his father's sci-fi thrillers, like I said. But uh, it has a flavor of its own because it has this uh, almost espionage thriller going on, you know, sort of vibe going on to it. And then these moments of gratuitous violence that are really like I think they hit really hard. Uh, just because the rest of the movie, it, it's not like all gore all the time. It just happens at precise moments and you're like oh my god so yeah yeah i'd like to see i think he really has like one other full-length movie anti-viral yeah and i heard good things about that too so so i would like to check it out i'm definitely curious makes me curious to want to see more yeah, I want and to Malcolm make more McDowell movies. Malcolm McDowell is in that. I want to see where he goes with his... Yeah, where's he going to go? 
Because I understand that antiviral is also kind of a science fiction horror thriller. So uh, it seems like that's going to be his kind of sandbox for the time being. And I'm interested to see some more shenanigans from him. He has a movie that's in post-production with Alexander Skarsgård. But I see the words hedonistic tourism, reckless violence, and surreal horrors. And I'm intrigued. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) It's called Infinity Pool. Oh, okay. And I do love the pool, even though I haven't been in months. Yeah, and infinity pools are, you know, pretty nice. So I would love to be in one someday. Have you yeah. done it? No. Oh. <laughs> no. I just know of them. And every time I see them on like a travel show where they're like, and an infinity pool. And you're like, that looks so cool. It does. All right. Well, out of five brain transplants, I don't know. That's not really it's thing whatever i'm going brain surgeries out of five brain surgery transplant chips <laughs> how many do you give possessor solid four me too cool which means we got one scare of approval yeah buddy we sure do you did it it is one solid movie and that completes me giving you my top 10 of 2020 (laughs) be prepared for 2022 to bring you my top 10 of 2021 yeah (laughs) although currently i have like two on that list so yeah i was gonna say i I didn't see nearly barely anything new this year like everything i I was catching up on was from years past so it's like and in all honesty, a lot of the movies I watched to put together that list were based on the recommendations of the top 10 that came out at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So like with it, I remember my top 10, I didn't bring put out to like the end of January or February because I spent December and January catching up on all the movies that everyone said, these are the best of. So that will probably happen again over like my two week Christmas break. I'll all probably right. just watch a ton of shit. So. Oh, cool. 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 All right. Well, tis the season it we move is. On to Christmas evil. Uh, John Waters favorite Christmas movie. Yeah. Uh, And the tagline is better watch out, better not cry, or you may die. (laughs) They could have made that rhyme a little better. Yeah. And the description is a toy factory worker mentally scarred as a child upon learning Santa Claus is not real, suffers a nervous breakdown after being belittled at work and embarks on a Yuletide killing spree. (laughs) Well, first of all, I was so wrong on this being a ripoff of Silent Night, Deadly Night, because I thought it came out after, but it came out like four years before. Yeah, this predates it. Yeah, and it's just not fully a horror movie. So like, if you go in expecting that, like the first hour, you're kind of like, what the fuck? I mean, it's interesting. It's not like boring and it's Mm -hmm. well made. Like it's filmed well, even though it's like 1980, it, it just, it has some nice cinematography. It just, it, it, it looks good. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a weird movie, man. I forgot how strange this movie is from last year and then rewatching it now. It's definitely one that I'm like, okay, I need to watch that again now knowing what it is so that I can Mm -hmm. watch it and appreciate it as opposed to going into it thinking I know what it is and then constantly being like, what the fuck is this? And then ultimately being like, oh, 
this is what this is. It's exactly what happened to me. Like the first time I watched this, I was really like, what the fuck was that? And now rewatching it again a year later, I'm like, oh, okay, I think I appreciate it more this time around. But it is interesting because Silent Night, Deadly Night seemed to definitely take, because when I started this, I still thought it came out after. And I was like, wow, all these 80s movies about killer Santas sure seem to like the trope of like some sort of sexual thing happening with Santa that scars you and turns you into like mm-hmm. a whatever, a killer. Because they both have, because in Silent Night, Deadly Night, doesn't Santa rape his mom? In yeah. the beginning? Okay, yeah, I thought that's so. It. I know he that's like, kills the dad and rapes the mom and then that, kills the mom, I think. I think that's what happens, if I remember. I haven't seen Silent Night, Deadly Night in so fucking long, so. Yeah, I need to rewatch it, and I would like to rewatch that one and two. Mm-hmm. I think that the lead killer is, like, hot in both of them, at least in the first one. I feel like he's... Sexy. And two two is the crazy one that's, you know, considered Garbage one of the... Day. Yeah, one of the best bad movies of all time, so. Yeah. Yeah. So... Okay, I have a question though. Mm-hmm. So why is he all pissed off at his brother about that night? There's something about that night with his mom. Uh, his brother, if you, and I'm not even sure because I was wondering too. I'm like, what? Why is he so mad at his brother by the end of the movie? And I think it's just because in the beginning, the brother says there's no such thing as Santa Claus. Okay. And it's as simple as that. And then, you know, it says, oh, that was just dad dressed up or whatever. There's like a line in there. But then he, okay. sees, this, then he sees his dad dressed as Santa, like getting frisky with mom. And that scars him for life, apparently. And I mean, that ending. We're not going to say what happens, but what the fuck? What uh-huh. the fuck? It's totally crazy. I sort of knew something was happening because I was reading the trivia first and they t- mentioned briefly it. So I was like, prepare for something sort of off the the rails to happen yeah i personally just take it to be like in his mind sort of me too i take it as a manifestation of his like madness and i totally thought he was like kill the kids because like he's watched them and making his list and do we ever find out what he left at moss's house in that bag i don't think so he just like leaves that bag for him because moss was which also that name moss Mm-hmm. like poor kid yeah whose mom is home improvements mom yep which was i had to go back and rewatch that scene after finding that out because you're I, like oh my god i used to love home improvement we watched it every night for dinner because they would once it was in syndication my dad loved that show yeah so we would watch like you know from five to six o'clock or whatever we'd watch home improvement mm-hmm. so many times and I gotta say, talk about this is the way to do a mob scene. Like I swear, Halloween kills ripped mm-hmm. this off. <laughs> oh yeah, with all the people showing up with uh, torches, and like like it's a like it's a Frankenstein movie from the '30s. Like all totally. of a sudden, they're like, "Get him!" and they're just chasing Santa around. Like, yeah, that's awesome. And that scene where, like, I mean, if you know that there's like a killer sent out, first of all, they're like, like, avoid anyone dressed like Santa Claus, and it's like it's christmas like you can't do that yeah (laughs) but then like if you know that and then you're gonna let your kids just run up to some santa in like an alley or wherever they Mm -hmm. are like it was just i was like don't let your kids go near some random guy and i that scene too i love it because this movie has generated like memes that float around on the internet or like uh because there's the there's the gif of uh uh santa with the switchblade that i've seen float around that people use and there's that shot that's fun 
Or the one of uh, where the van doors just open and he comes out all disheveled the next morning. Like I've seen that. People use that one a bunch too around Christmas. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah this movie is pretty, it's got some fun imagery of Santa. And he's good. Like he is a good yeah. actor. He's and I've never good. seen it, but in my mind, this feels like falling down. Have you seen yeah. that movie? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've not seen it, but I know it's sort of like about a guy like... I don't know if this term's like wrong anymore or like not, but like going postal essentially. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I used to love falling down. That was a favorite of mine many years ago and I've not seen it in a long time. So I don't know if the movie holds up or if it's like, you know, if it feels inappropriate now, nowadays or whatever, but I used to love falling down, but you're definitely on the right track. Cause I was thinking that this movie is less of a horror movie and more if taxi driver was about Santa Claus, like that's what this movie is. <laughs> Because he doesn't go like crazy and just start killing everybody. It's really like a few people. Like, yeah, people he's people. pissed at. Yeah, yeah, people he's got like grudges against or perceived slights against. And that whole church scene is so weird because he like kills, it looks like, like three people. And then the other girl, does she even get stabbed or is she just like traumatized? But everyone like is grabbing her and like, he and he like heeding to her. And I'm like, there are three people bleeding and they just like leave them there. <laughs> like mm -hmm. they don't even try to like save them. Yep, I guess they just everyone hated those fuckers as well. Yeah. They just weren't nice people. So whatever. And he's actually a pretty good Santa. Like I was like, he's actually, I mean, you know, he probably could be a little chubbier, but yeah, but he, he makes a pretty good Santa. I liked that his outfit was different than like when they have all the Santas in the lineup, which is a great scene. But mm -hmm. like, I like that his outfit is a little more traditional and less like how we all know Santa. It's sort of like, like the, the shirt kind of is like a skirt almost like that's like sort of the shape of it. Mm -hmm. over like the pants. I just really like how the, the suit looks. Oh, absolutely. And uh, how about Jeffrey DeMunn who played his uh, brother? Uh, which is like, I'm it, it, that's Dale from The Walking Dead. If anybody, you know, remembers him, he was in the oh. earliest seasons. Yeah. And I remember the first time I watched this, I was like, that guy looks so familiar. And then it's because I'm used to seeing Wait, is him. Is Dale as a, the old guy? Yeah. He was uh, the old guy that uh, drove that the, the farm? RV. The RV oh. in the very first season, first couple of mm. seasons. Oh, no, the farm, man. the farm, uh, that was a different actor. But no, Dale was, uh, if you go back, you'll, you'll, you'd figure it out. Uh, okay. But he was there from the beginning. He was the guy with the RV. But I'm used to seeing him as an older man playing roles, not, you know, he's young and doing push-ups. Wait, is Herschel the guy who owns the farm? Herschel owns the farm. Okay. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. All right, Dale. Okay. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and then I read somewhere that I can't remember who it was. Someone had auditioned for the wife. Oh, okay. And apparently the guy that played uh, our Santa, our main character here, uh, was also in Dress to Kill. Oh. And that's what Letterboxd is telling me, but I don't, uh, I don't recall him in there. Kathleen Turner uh, was turned down for the role of the sister-in-law. Oh, wow. Oh, poor Kathleen Turner. I saw a picture of her recently, and I was like, oh. Yeah, she's not aged. Aged. Uh, gracefully no and I, that's maybe a little i say it and then i feel bad about saying it because yeah, absolutely i'm i'm not aging gracefully <laughs> i'm aging gracelessly Great. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man. But yeah, it's I I enjoy it. I think I will watch it again. And yeah, I I I I'm glad you had me watch it. It's also weird that I I mean I read somewhere that they changed the name without talking to the director. But it's yeah. weird that the cut still says you better watch out. You better watch out. Yeah. Apparently it was originally released under that title. Um at some point they retitled it Christmas Evil, I think, because of the slasher movie craze. They wanted to give it something punchier and try and make it seem like it was one of those movies, even though uh, it really isn't. I mean, it's got some violent, you know, kills in it, but it's a different, this is a character study as opposed to a slasher movie, you know, a slasher horror movie. And this, this kind of, I don't even know, it popped up on my radar like last year, uh, last Christmas, because I think it's having this big resurgence now. Uh, where this was pretty obscure for a long time. Uh, and I know uh, John Waters has recently in interviews been championing, championing it as like one of his favorite movies, his favorite Christmas movie for sure. Uh, and who doesn't love John Waters? Uh, what a delight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and the internet, like I was saying too, it's been memed, like stuff from this movie started popping up. Kind of like I think Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2, like, clips from this movie started popping up on the internet and people are like, what the fuck movie is this from? So now you got Christmas evil starting to make a, a, a groundswell of a grassroots campaign of becoming a cult classic. And do you like better watch out? I can't remember. I feel like we talked about it last year. Uh, I haven't seen that one. You haven't with the, yeah. the babysitter. Yeah, no, I hadn't seen that one. Oh, okay. I thought you I think have. we, I think we talked about it and I'm, I, 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 I know of it. Never saw it though. Ah, like I think about giving it to you, but the last time was fairly painful to get through. <laughs> Got it. But I loved it so much the first time. Uh, oh, no. Well, know. this one, this was a movie where I was kind of lukewarm the first time uh, and have I liked it more the second viewing. So uh, out of five, uh, <laughs> I believe he had some kind of gift wrap on the axe he used to kill that guy. So out of five gift wrapped axes, to the face. Uh, how many do you give it? I'm going to give it three. All right. Yeah, that's what I gave it the first time. This time I'm upgrading to a four. Oh, a like whole star? A whole star. I feel like I appreciated it more this time. And I think this movie is going to become one of my like yearly traditions. All right. Well, great. We have a second. Scare of approval. That's it, people. Mission accomplished. We did it. Two yeah, scares of approval. Fuck yeah, bish. That's satisfying. That's awesome. Well, those are two good flicks for you to check out. What do you think of Christmas Evil and Possessor? Please yeah. hit us up and let us know. Tell us, tell us, is Possessor... I mean, everybody says how good it is, and I've finally seen it, and I can agree. It's a very good movie, so... Uh, do we have any dissenters? Did you not like it? Write in. And Christmas Evil, is it? does it deserve to be rediscovered as a forgotten cult classic? Or should it be? Because I've seen some letterbox reviews where people said the opposite. And they're like, it's just a bad movie. Forget it. So write in. Tell us. Yeah, please. And go out and make some snow angels for Paymon. Yeah. And, uh, you know, <laughs> the movie said it best. You better watch out. Because you know what will happen if you're bad. Santa Claus will put an axe in your face. And eat out your mom. That, yeah, (laughs) that too. (laughs) So be good, for goodness sake. (laughs) 
And write us at scaringandsharing at gmail.com. Follow us on Insta. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, keep watching horror movies. Keep talking about horror movies. But most of all, please keep listening to us and writing into us and talking about horror movies with us. Yeah, because the more we talk about it, the better. Because scaring is sharing. The more you know. (laughs) Do-do-do. All right, we'll see you next week. Till next time. Bye. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.